0: It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to pod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Pod. The fellows will get enrolling right after this from
2: Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 181 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatel of Z92.5 and Sportsnet Michigan with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and also on the phone, Jared Fatale of Bally Sports Detroit. Well, we have a fun pod lined up as we're going to check in with our Spartan insider, Joe Janka. We'll also connect with ESPN's Lauren Withrow to talk a little football and other sports stuff. Our teammates for this podcast include... Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, the Owasso Speedway, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5, The Castle. Well, fellas, let's uh, let's get caught up a little bit before we dive deep into football talk. How, how's everything going with you boys?
3: Not good, fellas. Um since <laughs> my, actually, well, good and bad, I mean, one year, no need to congratulate me, uh, I've been in a relationship for one year, which is one year more than I ever thought I'd be in, but with that, last Saturday, so I'm in Detroit, and let's just say around 11 o'clock, I found myself face down in a toilet just barfing my brains out, and I came to the realization, a realization I have pretty much every time I'm in this situation, what is the deal with alcohol? Ted, I kind of blame (laughs) it on your sort of boomer generation. What is the obsession with it? I just don't understand it. It, It's literal poison going into your body. I'm not sure if it's because I don't drink as much as I did when I was in college. I don't know if it's because I had the wrong mix of all these different drinks. A margarita might have been what put me over the edge, but... I don't know. I just—it's just embarrassing that I'm at this point and I'm just totally out on alcohol.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I would just say quickly on my generation thing. I mean, it just seems like I always get the short end from you, young man. I mean, it's called—it's <laughs> it's called tolerance. It's called knowing your limitations and and going from there. You still can enjoy a good time, get in a happy mood, but you got to know what your limit is. I learned that even within the last ten years, when I'm on the margarita meter. Two solid big margaritas will work for me. But if I get that third one, uh, there's trouble. That's how I look when, at it.
4: That, that's when the boat starts going sideways and everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny that it, no matter what the angle is that Jared goes with, somehow he always blames your generation. I know. <laughs>
2: well,
4: here's,
3: here's the fact of the matter, Matt. Is, so I, I was doing a little bit of research on alcohol, actually. Did you know that it's only been within the past, like, 150 years or so that we've been able to create alcohol higher than, like, 2%? Like, anything more than 2% is not natural. That it's been distilled, it's been this, it's been that. And who who's to blame for the alcohol, like, resurgence? It's the boomers.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I know there is something to do, to do with that, with um the whole Prohibition era, and then obviously, like, NASCAR and the moonshiners—that—that was a whole like a whole other side to it too. But you know, I—I think as far as like this conversation, obviously some people don't enjoy cocktails or having a beer or whatever. Um, some people do. You know, everyone has their own vice, their own way to escape or have a good time or, you know, whatever it is. But I think that the big thing is what Ted said. you got to know your limits, and then you won't end up face down in a toilet. And I know, I mean, we people who, you know, partied on college or whatever you want to say, had, had some nights that ended like that. And, yeah, you just have to know your limitations. That, I think that's just what it comes down to because you can still enjoy a cocktail or two, a beer or two, And, you know, get in that good mood and have a good time. But, yeah, you don't want to end up sleeping on the bathroom floor, banging headache the next day, bubble guts the whole next day, stuff like that. That's no fun. Do you guys remember remember maybe the worst hangover you ever had? Uh, I mean, there's been quite a few, to be honest. I I, I can't pinpoint on one specific one, but every time, it, it's definitely that thing where every time it's like, why do I do this to myself? Definitely. Yeah,
2: it's been quite a while for me, but I do remember early on in my uh, drinking escapades, uh, Boone's Farm, strawberry wine was big and popular. And when I, I, oh. I remember one time I was hung over to the max on, on Boone Farm, and it wasn't pleasant.
4: I mean that stuff's so jacked up with a ton of sugar too. Exactly. So you start pounding that, you got the alcohol and the sugar. But you know, I, I think I'm to that point too. I mean, there, I've I've still got tuned up a couple times, you know, in my later years. But I, I kind of like what you said, Ted, about knowing your meter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you kind of you know when you're getting to that point. Okay, I'm feeling good. I'm having a good time. And, you know, back in the day, it'd be, now it's time to crank it up and keep it going. But now it's like, I, okay, I'm to that point, because I know how tomorrow's going to go. And I've got kids waking up in, like, three right. hours or whatever it's going to be. So, so yeah, you, you just got to know when to cut it off.
2: It's kind of a rite of passage, too. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm an old guy for sure, but I remember when I was Jared's age. Matt, you remember when you were Jared's age, it was... Every weekend, you're going out with the boys. In our in our situation, we were out looking for girls, but it was all heavy drinking on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, and it was just party, 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 and you kind of outgrow that after a little while.
3: Right, and I guess the reason that I was just so, like, clouds like screaming why is I didn't have that much, and I know what you guys, oh, well, I'm sure you had a lot. Maybe, you know, probably three or four beers, three four shots, which I wouldn't consider that a whole lot. And that's my problem with the whole know your limit is you never know. It, it, you could have, I could have one night, I could have fifteen beers, wake up perfectly fine the next day, and sometimes I'll have like one or two beers at dinner or something, and wake up with a headache from hell the next day. It's just you yeah. never know.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely like thinking thinking about like the times at the beach or when we're at that that lake house that I've talked about on the podcast down here that we get on the Fourth of July and stuff. There's been times that like you know you start day drinking, and you're kind of like for the most part, like, drinking all day, but you're out in the sun, you're sweating, you know, you are mixing in some water, some food and stuff like that, and sometimes I'll think back and be like, I've drank, like, 12 or 15 beers. I'm not even feeling anything, because, like, you know, you're just kind of, like, sweating it out the whole day, and, like, you know, you're out in the sun or whatever, but then, right, like you said, sometimes after two or three, you're already, like, you got the spins going, and you're like, what's going on here, so... (laughs) Yeah. So, what, where does the story like that, that? was. This is kind of the story. I didn't know if there was like another side to it. So, like, did you have a good? Was this your anniversary date or something? Or like, where was right, this going? Right. Yeah. So it was.
3: It was our one year anniversary. You know, let's get a hotel in Detroit. Everything was great, like I said. But that was the thing. That was that was the wildest part. Is I felt perfectly fine. We got back to the hotel around you know eleven thirty midnight. I sat on the hotel bed for maybe five minutes. And all of a sudden, it just hit me like a truck. And the next two hours was spent in going back and forth between the toilet and the shower. No, it's still a good time. You know, I still look back at it, and it's a funny story looking back, but it's just its not funny when you're in the middle of
4: it. We all know that. Right. That's the only thing to wrap it up.
2: Right. You, you didn't have bathroom time on your mind, that's for sure.
4: <laughs> no. No, That's when you when you pay for a hotel in downtown Detroit for one-year anniversary, you don't want to be spending a going back and forth from the toilet to the shower that's yeah. for sure
2: yeah let that be a lesson if there's ever a honeymoon down the road
4: <laughs> right yeah. yeah exactly so I uh, other other than the uh, the your how your night went there in Detroit how was the first weekend for both you guys of high school
2: football being back? Oh, it was great for me. I mean, we had a really good game, St. John's and uh, Parma Western, uh, entertaining, a uh, one touchdown game. There was a couple of TDs called back, so there was a lot of act- action going on. It was a blast. I mean, it's good to be back in action, and really for the for the first game out of the gate, uh, Bart and I, we were we were pretty much on top of things. I think it went real well. Crowd came oh, back was the, really cool. Yeah, with the crowd back made a huge difference. You know, the crowd they had the. Uh, the band was back in force. They had a dance squad before the band played at halftime. It it felt real. It, it was it was sweet. You know, it was awesome.
3: Maybe I'm crazy, but it, I. And what's funny is I'm about to say this about college football in about five minutes. This year feels different. It feel it's like it's like it's the most it's the most I've looked forward to a high school football season in years. You know, since I was actually playing. Right. And I don't know if that's because of it. it like you said, the the band, the, the fans, the crowd. Or if it's just the fact that we're hoping that we're going to have like a regular season this year, and I think all the players and coaches are just like, they're just glad to be out here. Once we went through COVID and everything that that was last year, and the possibility that there could be no season at all, I think everyone's just so happy just to, regardless of whether there might be masks or not, just to be on the field and playing, and that's the way I look at it.
2: Amen. I mean, it's just great to be back, great to be normal right at this point. Let's hope it keeps up, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was fun. You know, it's nice to be back in action again, and uh, Friday nights, we know what we're going to be doing anyway. I do want to throw this out there, fellas, I'm, uh, on a little bit of my catch-up portion. I want to send a shout-out uh, to the, the people out at Fortitude. Went out to a concert on Saturday night. You know, I'm a shy town slappy, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> enjoyed the group again i mean they were i'm gonna give a little sports analogy here you know the more you practice the more games you get under your belt uh the better you are you know and now here we are we're we're august 31st where we're recording this but they've had all summer long they played multiple gigs including a big show up at uh, bay city i mean they're sounding better than they have all season long i mean they were just totally in tune and had the crowd going—a decent crowd, you know. It was it was a charged admission. Uh, they did have a, a group warming up for them. R3T, uh, Jay Creighton on lead vocals. Along there's a female in the group that also sings some lead vocals. They started it off at 6:30. Shytown, Town, like I said, just outstanding and. It was it was a great evening, and unfortunately, it stopped a little early because we had thunderstorms roll in. So the show had to stop around 9:30 or so. But uh, just it was great fun, and uh, and Alec Faber out there at Fortitude. I mean, they got a great setup for outdoor concerts. They're gonna they're gonna have uh, drive-in theater stuff. I mean, it's just a great spot.
4: So did they play, I, I know everything got cut kind of short, but did they play their new song that we debuted on the podcast when we had them on, or did they have any other new music, or was it all, you know, their normal cover stuff? It
2: was a, it was a lot of their, their standard cover stuff, but they did get their new song in, uh, and I think it might have been the last song before they had to pack it all up. So, yeah, they, they did get a chance to, to get that out there as well.
3: Fortitude is, I tell you what, you talk about just a brilliant business idea, the, the fact that Bennington got shut down as a golf course, I mean, I was sad about it any time the course gets closed, but anyone who had ever been in that clubhouse saw the potential that it had and that whole area had. And Alec Faber and that whole crew, Lauren Faber, they've done a great job, and they were promoting the hell out of that concert. One thing that was kind of irritating me about it is the amount of people complaining about the heat. Uh, listen, we're, we've, all, we've all been from Michigan. Me and Ted, we're still here. If you are somebody who lives in Michigan and you are wishing away the summer, I think that you should be automatically forced to move to Antarctica because <laughs> soak up the last couple months we have a summer because as soon as that first snow hits, get ready for hell on earth, and that's what Michigan is during the
5: winter.
4: It is, it is funny to think about that. You know, you, you do gain a different perspective when you move away, and – I I totally, because I would always think the same thing. When I still lived in Michigan, I would always think what you're just saying, like, you guys are complaining about the heat, but in a couple months, you know what's coming. That first crazy snowstorm is going to come at the end of October or, you know, something like that. But what I always think about now, now that I live, you know, down in the south, is, you know, we always see people in Michigan or in northern states anyway, uh, complaining about people in the south saying it's too cold when the winter hits like 35 degrees in the south, or when it gets into the 40s in the south, and it's too cold, everyone's in their winter coats. You know, you see people in the north saying, like, oh, Southerners are so soft, you know, can't even take 40 degree weather. Well, I'm saying, that <laughs> like, it's funny to see it now when I see, like, I know it's been hot up in Michigan, but when I see, like, a stretch of some hot weather, three, four, five days in Michigan, and like what you're saying, Jared, people are like, can't take this heat, oh my God, I can't take it, I can't even leave my air conditioning and stuff, it's like, We've had that weather for about two straight months, so so it kind of goes both ways. You know, you're going to make fun of us in the winter, and we can make fun of you in the summer. Yeah. Well,
2: I ain't going to lie. It was pretty hot at the beginning. You know, the monkey butt, was, <laughs> the, the monkey butt was working, but uh, it cooled off pretty quickly. You know, and summer evenings when you're outside in a summer evening in Michigan, and probably anywhere really that has decent weather, there's nothing like sitting under the stars. You know, listening to some great music, drinking some cheap beer, because the, the beer prices were three bucks a beer. How do you beat that at a concert, you know? It, w- it was great. All right, that catches us up, everybody. Uh, so now that you can tune into the good part of the show, we're going to talk some football coming up right after this.
0: Kendall Drugs and Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5.00 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295.
2: JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you.
4: Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380.
2: All right, guys. Uh, this is one of the weekends we're really looking forward to. Yeah, week zero started, but there's all kinds of great games in store for us, starting on Thursday all the way through Monday. You know, Labor Day weekend. How how, how can you beat it? I mean, I know we're all just really excited. Michigan and Michigan State back in action. I guess since we're all three Wolverine fans, how excited are we that Michigan football is back, or are we excited?
4: Well, I, I tweeted it out, and it it kind of blew up a little bit like it went a little bit viral but just a simple my, my quick thoughts basically the question you just asked and I, I basically said I don't care how recent seasons have gone or how you know people are saying you know the whole Jim Harbaugh era has been a letdown anytime for me personally that Michigan football is coming back I don't care if expectations are high low or like this year kind of no expectations I'm pumped I'm excited because when you really think about it we only get to watch Michigan football 12 or 13 Saturdays a year. And when you think about that, I'm going to try and soak in every Saturday, every three, four hours of Michigan football. I know I'm going to get pissed off a few times and probably yell at the TV or whatever, but I'm pumped. I'm excited for Michigan football to be back, even if we have, like, no expectations like this season.
3: Well, I think what's weird is I think that the fact that we have no expectations – Is why I'm excited for this year. And years like, for once, all of Michigan's fan base isn't thinking national championship or boss. Like, I think honestly, I feel like if we win nine games or eight games, that's a great year. So I'm just hoping to get, you know, maybe one great game. How about this baseline for me to be happy? Just be MSU. But going into this year, I'm just, I'm excited that we didn't have the loud offseason that we always have as Michigan fans surrounding Michigan camp. Uh, And I'm just excited to see what happens because either way we look at this, I think it's a win-win for Michigan. Either we move on to the new era or we keep the Jim Harbaugh fire lit. So either way, in my book, it's a win-win. That's why I'm excited.
2: 12 noon Saturday, Western Michigan Broncos at the big house. Uh, I'm assuming that they'll fill that place up. I don't think they have any limitations on it. But let me ask you guys a question. I, I thought about this. I don't know if this is a boomer question or not. And I know you know where I'm going to go with this but would you rather have an 11 and 1 season with the only loss to Ohio State and just missing out on the playoffs or go 9 and 3 and beat Ohio State
4: <laughs> I see people pose questions like this on Twitter all the time and and post polls or you know whatever and it does seem to be like they're almost split there's a huge part of the fan base that it's all about only Ohio State and I feel like you you may be kind of lean that way Ted it's all about you have to beat Ohio State and I totally understand that I really do but for me personally especially with where Michigan football is right now and Jim Harbaugh if they went 11-1 and you know beat and lost to Ohio State, that was the only loss of the year, and they at least look competitive, they're not getting their doors blown off by Ohio State, I would totally take that any day of the week, because personally, I don't think Michigan is on Ohio State's level, so if they lost to Ohio State, I would say, okay, yeah, that's not really... I didn't expect them to be there. It's like if... if uh, if Georgia loses to Alabama, Georgia isn't necessarily on Alabama's level right now, so it's kind of almost an expected loss. So for me personally, I will any day of the week take 11-1 and with a hard-fought loss to Ohio State.
3: No, Matt, we've lived that, Matt. It was horrible. That year where those Jabril Peppers, uh, J.C. Barrett, fourth down. Looking back, I mean, there's really nothing to hold on to with that season. But you tell me this. If, I'm not even going to say nine wins. Let's say we go 5-7, and, and and Jim Harbaugh's last game, he beats Ohio State. Are you not, like, remembering that win for the rest of your life? I know I am. We need to beat Ohio State. It's the thing that's keeping this program tied down. It's not Harbaugh. It's not the players. It's, it's the fact that we just, for some reason, can't beat that damn team. And as soon as we do, I really think the floodgates are going to open for the next 10 years for Michigan football. So. I'm in the camp of let's just beat Ohio State. Whatever else happens is gravy on top.
2: Yeah, I won't go to well, the 5. I won't go to the 5 and 7 and beat Ohio State. I could live with 8 8 wins and beat Ohio State, but I won't go that low, but I I'm 100%. I'm sick and tired of the Buckeyes spanking us. It's time for me. and they may not do it this year. They're definitely going to be underdogs, but you got to get that monkey off your back.
4: No, I yeah, I'm totally with you guys. And the scenario you laid out, Jared, if if it was a five and – like, if they're going into the Ohio State game five and six or whatever, then, yes, give me Ohio State because basically the season's almost a wash at that point. And it's kind of like the Devin Gardner game, you know, with Brady Hoke at the end of – you know, where they went for two at the end of the game and right. lost. Like, that that season was kind of lost anyway, so that win over Ohio State would have been amazing. But, like, to me personally, like, a nine and three with a, with a win over Ohio State, yes, of course that would be awesome to beat Ohio State. But then it's kind of like, okay, well, where's the program? Like – because then we probably lost to, like, Wisconsin and Penn State yep. or something like that, maybe even Michigan State. Or, or so that's kind of like, cool, okay, we beat Ohio State, but we're still only 9-3. and three. Like, what the hell is going on? Whereas 11-1, and one, you know, at least in my opinion, 11-1, and one, okay, cool. Like, this is – we're showing something. We whooped up on Washington. We whooped up on Penn State. We smoked Michigan State. We're showing that we're on – we're getting up to Ohio State's level, but maybe we're not there yet. And that, that's just kind of what I think. And that would prove, like, Jim Harbaugh – with the coaching changes that he made, some of the recruits he's brought in, maybe it's trending in that level, and then maybe like next year is where like we truly get up on Ohio State's level. But no, I'm with you guys. I'm sick of losing to Ohio State. Most of all, I'm more sick of losing to Michigan State. I can't stand I can't stand losing to Ohio State. I really can't stand losing to Michigan State. <laughs> really cannot stand that. I would much rather truly take back that rivalry and then be like, okay, now let's catch up to Ohio State. So, where what
3: is our like? Where do you guys? What is a successful season for this team? I mean, it's it's that's what's amping me up so much for Week One, not only for Michigan State but for Michigan too, because they they both teams are just so known. I really don't know if this is a three win team, a six win team, a nine win team, maybe somehow some way a ten win team. I just have no idea where to set my expectations. Where are your guys?
2: I put I put it right at the nine and three mark myself. I think they're good enough to at least win nine. Hey, maybe they can get ten. But I, I think this team is going to be an eight or nine win team.
4: I think that, I, and I think that's definitely fair because we we know every year Michigan has the talent to win eight or nine games. And, and again, they do this year. The talent is always there. It's just always been, like, can they put it all together and can the coaching staff get them prepared and stuff like that. So, And I I said before we started recording that I'm slowly starting to sip on the amazing blue Kool-Aid a little bit. And kind of because of, like, what you said, Jared, earlier – It hasn't been a loud offseason. It hasn't been all this crazy, all of a sudden one of these dudes is going to win Heisman like we almost hear every offseason. Or all of a sudden Jim Harbaugh has truly figured something out. You know, there's not all those weird headlines. The only headlines there really are is, I think, realistic or like positive ones that there were changes on the coaching staff that are bringing a new energy, you know, like former players like Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart, you know, bringing that old Michigan passion. You get a new defensive coordinator, so I know we all love Don Brown, but get the hell out of here because it was not working. Nope. So we got a new defensive coordinator coming from the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, hopefully bring in like, an NFL passion. Jim Harbaugh, I don't know if you saw pictures, like, he's lost a ton of weight. He apparently is saying yep. he's got a new, like, perspective. He got away from football for a little while, so hopefully that helped. So that's, like, the stuff. Like, it's not loud. It's not ridiculous expectations. It's just, like, hopefully there's just a new energy you know with these new coaches and maybe harbaugh getting smacked around last year maybe that helped him like wake up a little bit so will it all come together you know who knows but hopefully hopefully we just whoop on western michigan and then we'll really see where we are when washington comes to town.
2: do we have thoughts about uh the quarterback cade mcnamara do we feel confident he's the guy
3: i'm glad that we're rolling with him instead of mccarthy i mean out. I don't know if he's the guy or not, but he, we have no other options. We have <laughs> no other options, so we're going to kind of live and die by his right arm, and we'll see. I have no idea what type of player to expect. I mean, I think what we need from him is just to be like a game manager type thing, and if this team's going to be legit, it's going to have to be because of the defense. Yeah. I mean, I still have question marks about Gaddis. There's so many question marks on the offensive side of the ball, but it seems like under Harbaugh, our defense is always pretty good, minus the Ohio State game, so I'm just – I think that's where we're going to win our games is on the defensive side of the ball. So McNamara, he's all right. He's going to manage the clock. He's going to manage the game, but don't expect him to be freaking Joe Milton against Minnesota. Okay. Yeah,
4: I'm and I, right. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think he. The, the biggest thing is he has to like manage the game. I mean, you you brought up Milton, and obviously there was just a ton going wrong there. But you know, some of the other the previous quarterbacks too. Turn the ball over a ton. You know, we were going three and out, throwing interceptions, fumble, like just like setting the defense up to fail. It seemed like at some point. So I just wanted to see McNamara manage the game, but then also like hit some big plays and stuff like that. So I, you know, like, am I totally confident in him? You know, I don't know. We'll we'll see how he plays. But you know, he the dude has a ton of talent because he holds like every high school passing record in Nevada, which I know Nevada isn't necessarily like. Texas high school football, but still, that says something, and he did show a little bit last year when he came in against Rutgers and stuff, so you know, and obviously everyone, you know, during uh, spring and summer camp is saying, you know, he's taking on like a leadership role and stuff like that, so you know, will, will it translate into wins on the field? I don't know, but... I'm excited anyway. Where, where do you stand, Ted? Would you rather see the freshman or see McNamara?
2: No, I think I saw enough out of McNamara last year that I think he is is more inadequate for the job. You know, like you guys both have said, manage the team, don't make big crucial turnovers. You know, just run the team, and and he he has that kind of the it factor that I I was watching on television, watching him play. Just he has kind of that fiery attitude, you know, that you want in a quarterback. And I, th- I think yep. he has that confidence, and I, th- I think it's going to be a big year for him myself.
3: The one thing that worries me, and I saw, Matt, I saw you going back and forth with our friends from Blue by 90 about this, but the guy wasn't named a captain. Which, yeah. as a former quarterback, let me just say, if you are not the captain as a quarterback, there is something seriously wrong. And I know that, Matt, you were saying how all, all these other guys have seniority, they've been captains before, this or that. Listen, they do all but sew that captain on your shoulder pads when you're a quarterback, and the fact that he wasn't uh, voted a captain is very worrisome, especially when we're talking about this guy, the fiery attitude. You know, he's in the halftime after after the game against Rutgers last year saying how great of a win it was, this or that. It's just worrisome to me that he was not named captain because he seems like the ultimate captain guy, which is what scares me.
4: Yeah, and I do get that because, right, normally you do see the quarterback. I mean, like Shea Patterson was a captain. And, you know, most of the time you do see your quarterback as a captain. I guess to me, like, I, just knowing how Jim Harbaugh has operated since he's been at Michigan, it does seem like he does usually give that to the upperclassmen. So that, that's kind of more what, what I was looking into it. But I guess we'll find out if, if all this, like, you know, he's taking on a leadership role in McNamara, if it if it really translates on the field. But, Ultimately, to me, like I understand the captain thing is big. I understand what you're saying. I just want to see people win. I don't care who the captain is. It's kind of like the uniform debate. I love talking about uniforms, alternate uniforms, and you know all that kind of stuff. I think it's really cool. Gets the gets the players excited. Gets fans excited. I don't give a shit what they wear on the field as long as they win. So it's kind of the same thing with
2: captains. So we know we're excited about Michigan. You know they're taking on Western Michigan. High noon on Saturday. Michigan State gets underway nine fifteen at Northwestern. That's a that's a really interesting matchup. Any other games this weekend you guys are pointing at that it's must-see TV?
4: I mean, I think the obvious one is uh, the Clemson-Georgia game, you know, Saturday night. Um, I mean, you, ton of question marks are on both those teams. It's a top-five matchup. Yes. So Clemson, obviously, juggernaut. Is this the year that Georgia finally, like, Takes that next step and wins the SEC, actually beats Alabama, gets to you know the college football playoff and stuff. So that game, Clemson and Georgia. But then the other one that I think it's it might end up being classic Big Ten football. I don't know, but the Indiana Iowa game could be really yep. fun. I mean, those are two usually pretty good teams in the Big Ten. So Top that 20. game's at 3:30 on Saturday. That could be a really cool game too. I so. Think so. Yeah, there's a bunch of good games this weekend, though. Yeah, no, the game that I think is
3: sneaky, like two games that I think are sneaky, really good games, one, the Sunday weekend cap for Notre Dame-Florida State. For some reason, that, that last game of week one is always – it doesn't matter if it's Alabama versus Middle Tennessee State. Somehow, some way, it's a hell of a game every year. Uh, I know Notre Dame's like an eight-point favorite is all in that game, so it's supposed to be close. I'm circling that one. Also, I think Chip Kelly, UCLA – they're kind of my sleeper team this year. I think that they're going to be up there with around 10 wins, and they're going to kick off their season. They already won last week against Hawaii. looked really good. Week two, they're playing LSU at home, number 16 LSU. I think Chip Kelly's going to put a show, put up a show, and we're going to be looking back as the sort of jump start to the UCLA program and Chip Kelly.
4: So yeah. I'm circling LSU versus UCLA as well.
2: Yeah, and how about Zach Charbonnet there with his debut with the Bruins? Not a bad start, huh?
4: Look good. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess what what Ted's looking forward to. I know you're you're a classic Big Ten guy too. You want to see the Penn State Wisconsin game <laughs> at the same time as Michigan, but that would be a good game too.
2: No, that's a that's a clicker game right there. But yeah, that'd be yeah. a good game. But actually, I was looking at well, you you got to go Georgia Clemson, I think. But uh, the Indiana Iowa game, Big Ten football, three thirty. That's what I'll be tuned in probably to right there.
4: Look. I mean, it's really I, I I posed the question on on our, our three point pod uh, Twitter page. Um, about, like, the, this opening slate, and I, I wanted to ask you guys, too. Like, you look at the schedule, and it's just it's loaded with awesome matchups. I mean, even Thursday night, um, Ohio State at Minnesota. Yeah. It may end up being a blowout, but who knows? I mean, P.J. Fleck, you know, the game's at Minnesota. That's kind of a fun game to watch when you think about that. But how, yeah. how do you guys feel? Like, I mean, we grew up, in Ted, obviously, you you remember the days of Friday night, high school, Saturday night, or just Saturday, college, Sunday, NFL. Do you like how it's – I mean, we've got games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for college football. Do you like that, or do you wish it was still more the traditional college football was only on Saturday?
2: No, I'm resigned to the fact that you got to – You know, roll with the flow. I'm not a big fan necessarily on Friday because I do think that is for the high schoolers, but I get it. I have no problems with the Thursday night matchups, especially if it's a good game. So I can live with the Thursday and Saturday thing. I'm not a big fan of Friday, but I get it. College football is college football, and if you get a good matchup on Friday night, why the hell not? Now, the Tuesday night match thing thing, that's that's a little bizarre, but hey, I'm even okay with that.
3: I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Why not? Spread the games all around. I mean, the thing that cracks me up about everyone who hates this is, what are they always watching on Tuesdays? Max, what are they watching that Friday night?
2: Exactly. Football.
3: So, it, I, I don't understand the whole complaining when, at the end of the day, it's, you're going to spend your time watching it. Uh, yeah. So, I'm loving it. Uh, what Can I throw out maybe my favorite gambling pick of my entire life right now uh, do, for you guys it. week one?
2: Of course. Do it.
3: UNI, Northern Iowa versus Iowa State. Let me just say, uh, if UCLA is my sleeper team, the team that I think is going to be a quote-unquote like grenade, uh, Iowa State, anytime like your number one player is a running back uh, in the Big 12, you know that there is something seriously wrong because, Ted, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure – we could throw you out there with a pair of Nike <laughs> Vapor Carbon cleats and gloves, and you'd probably be uh, rushing for 1,500 yards in the Big 12. But Northern Iowa, I do every every time they play either Iowa or Iowa State, it's a tough game every time. I don't care what the spread is, and believe it or not, the spread is 38 points.
2: Oh, uh,
3: and that's because Northern Iowa was three and four last year in that stupid little spring schedule the FBS had. But I'm telling you, they are not only going to stay within 38 and a half. Don't be shocked if somehow. Some way, at plus plus nine <laughs> nine 9,500, they end up winning this game. So I'm just telling you, circle that on your calendar. It's one of those games that's gonna you're going to be watching, you know, whatever noon kickoff game you're watching, and all of a sudden you're going to look at the clicker on the bottom, and it's going to be like tied 21-21 at halftime, and you're going to go, what the hell is going on? I'm just telling you, <laughs> easiest money you can ever make. They're going to stay them 38-and-a-half without a doubt. They might even win the thing.
2: Well, I think we got a new little segment, Matt. Let's, Jared, if you're up for it, Every week, give us uh, a lock of the week, something along these lines. How's that? And we'll keep track of how you do.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. Is as long, as long as I start week one
4: with a win, I'm 100 percent in. Got to start <laughs> with a win, week one. Yeah this this segment the segment's all of a sudden going to go away about week two or three yeah. when he's 0 oh and three. <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> <Gotta start laughs> I'll just hot. i was just Gotta start off. Yep. As you were talking about that, I, I looked quick. The over under for the Michigan Western Michigan game is 67. So we, we, I would assume they're, they're thinking Michigan puts up a good 40, you know, something like that. Over or under on that? Ooh. Oh, I don't – it's a stay away for me.
3: I, I don't know necessarily which way to go. I will say this, Michigan is always kind of slow out of the gate we thought versus Middle Tennessee State, what was it, a couple of years ago when we were actually a legit team. Uh, but Western Michigan, The two years ago when Michigan State was in Antonio's last year, just an absolute horrendous team that they were. Western Michigan still got blown out at, at Spartan Stadium that game. I was there, uh, and that was Western Michigan's best team in like four or five years. I think they ended up winning like ten games that year, made to the MAC championship. So, with all that being said, I think Tim Lester is the head coach at Western. I think that Michigan's going to roll them, and I don't know if that's going that necessarily doesn't mean that Michigan's good or not, but that's the way I'm leaning is Michigan's going to roll.
2: How, what's the What's the over under? Sixty seven.
4: Sixty seven. Yep.
2: Boy, that those odd makers know what they're doing, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I probably would take the under on that, but it, it's going to be real close to that number, I think.
4: That's a lot of points. It is. You know, I think, especially because, like I think. you said, Jared, we, we're, we're used to seeing Michigan start off pretty slow, and it's getting late in the first quarter, and it's only 7-3 to three or something, and we're like, all right, what's going on here? I did see an article. Again, it's all these off-season articles. I get it. But Jim Harbaugh in an interview said that he wants to – they've been focusing a lot on starting fast because – in the past, they've been slow starters, basically like what we said. And that, that's what I mean. Like, I'm going back to real quick, like seeing maybe they have finally, like, looked themselves in the mirror at some of these things and been like, we got to focus on this. We can't be starting slow. We can't be, you know, doing some of this other stuff or whatever. So that that's hopefully what – that's, I don't know, what gives me a little bit of hope. We'll see if it – we'll see how it goes, though. I, I just hope for – I don't want to see a close game. I don't want to be stressing out in the second half. I know that.
2: No way. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be tuned in. We'll definitely talk a little bit more Michigan and Big Ten football with our guests we've got lined up. We'll check
6: in with Lauren Withrow right after this. Boogity, 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 let's go racing. The Owasso Speedway has been building families and communities through the promotion of short track racing since 1939. That's almost as long as you've been alive, Ted. Saturdays are race days at the Big O with gates opening at 4. Qualifying begins at 5 with the green flag waved and racing at 7. The Owasso Speedway's 3 8 of a mile oval high bank layout is super fast, providing thrills and action galore. Easy to get to on M21 between Owasso and Ovid. Stay up to date on upcoming features by following the Owasso Speedway on Facebook at Owasso Speedway MI.
2: Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesonine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234.
4: All right, guys, well, we're talking a lot college football. You know, week one is coming up. We're all excited. Michigan State on Friday night. Michigan gets going Saturday at noon. So we thought it would be a good chance to bring in somebody who definitely knows Big Ten football. Her name is Lauren Withrow. She's a Michigan alum and a fellow Midwesterner. She does some work for Northwestern's football program, and she is a Sports Illustrated publisher. And I I know you you also do some work for ESPN uh, covering some games, so you're definitely plugged into the college athletics scene. So first of all, thank you for joining us, Lauren. And the first question I want to ask you is, how cool is it to think about being, I guess, you know, the, the quote-unquote normal back to normal college sports, seeing fans back at the stadiums and stuff like that? Well,
5: thank you guys for having me. First of all, I, I'll i answer that question, but I would like to throw in that you said Michigan State is playing on Friday night. And for me, as a Michigan alum and now Northwestern reporter, I would like to say Northwestern play playing on Friday night. <laughs> um, <laughs> But to get into that, this is the first time we're going to have fans back at Ryan Field, obviously, at all the stadiums across college football. So I think this is going to be huge. And this is my first time out of college that I'll actually be covering football boots on the ground. So I can't wait to experience it because that's going to be a totally new thing for me. And I, I'm so excited for these players. After talking to them, it's been one of the biggest things they can't stop being excited about is having their families there to see them Uh having fans and being able to get that energy for the first time. So I think we're going to level up in a sense and we're going to see higher caliber play in football and, and obviously getting the community back together behind it is huge.
2: This is Ted Lauren. I just wanted to throw out, I always like to know the backstory, you know, where'd you grow up and how'd you get to where you're at right now?
5: You know, I'd say that's a long story, but for, uh, the sake of time, yeah, I grew up in Michigan in Bloomfield Hills, about 20 minutes outside Detroit, was in Detroit area my whole life, went to the University of Michigan, and I actually had two undergraduate degrees that were both in health sciences. So one was biopsychology, cognition, and neuroscience, and the second was movement science. So I thought that I wanted to go to medical school and do something in the realm of sports psychology. And it was literally by chance when a girl in my sorority, my sophomore year of college, asked me to come help her out. She worked on the Michigan student TV station, and they needed some extra hands on deck for one of their productions. So I just went along with her, and then the next week they said I could go on air and do a report if I wanted to. I had no clue what I was doing, but I jumped right in and fell in love with it. So my – passion for sports kind of shifted from the medical side of things to the media side of things, um, which I never could have anticipated. When I was growing up, I didn't think I want to be a reporter. I want to do sports media. I didn't even see it as a possibility as a career path for me. So it really just came up by doing things and saying yes to things that sounded fun in college. And as I continued to do that, more doors opened and I got more experience and now I don't want to do anything else.
4: I do have a question for you, Lauren, to follow up on that. Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, boots on the ground, fans and family and everyone being back in the stadiums and all that kind of stuff. So my, my first question is, are you, are you traveling for games that you're covering or are you currently still just doing uh, remote kind of reporting?
5: So I'll be on site at Ryan Field for all of the Northwestern home games I am planning to travel to all the games that I can drive to. So Illinois, Michigan, things like that. I have the opportunity to get out there, but it's going to kind of come down to more logistics, still getting my everything in order, really, of you know, learning how to cover the sport day in and day out and kind of seeing how much I can manage on top of also being in school because I'm actually starting my master's degree at Northwestern in about two weeks now. So... We'll kind of see how the time management goes out, I'll definitely <laughs> yeah. be up in Evanston.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. You're starting your master's degree, too. Uh, so the, the, the second question was going to be, how different has it been? I mean, you talk about, like, Ted's been doing this for sports radio for over 30 years, traveling, going to all the different stadiums, and always in person. But the people kind of maybe like yourself breaking into the business, and Jared kind of learning remotely. You know, everything they're learning is doing all these covering games kind of remotely and stuff like that. So how different has it been for you to learn, like, the traditional side of traveling to games, going to practices and reporting, but also learning doing the press conferences over Zoom and doing Zoom interviews with coaches and stuff like that?
5: I'd say I saw both sides of it. So when I was in college, uh, summer after my sophomore year, I started working at Fox Sports Detroit, which is now – Valley Sports Detroit. I know Jared's over there now. So when I was there, I was covering the Tigers, Pistons, and Red Wings all on site. Um, And then in Michigan, also covering the Michigan basketball team. So I had an opportunity to travel to the Big Ten tournaments and then to all those games on site in Detroit and get some experience with in-person interviews and you know being in a press box and covering a game from the arena or stadium. And then when things shifted during COVID, at first it was kind of, a shock to the system, like how do you do this, You know, how do you network, how do you meet people and build real life relationships with people over the computer. Um, but as that went on, I actually saw a lot of benefit to it and it changed my approach to reaching out for interviews and I think that people are honestly more accessible now over the computer now that Zoom interviews are normal. I think that it's way easier to ask someone to jump on the phone for 20 minutes and make a video out of it, and now people don't think it's weird because you're sitting in your living room. Uh So I think that's really opened a lot of doors and forced people to be creative, including myself. So now that it's back to the normal, I'm almost a little overwhelmed with the time management of it, you know, taking into account driving an hour to the stadium or whatnot. Trying to be in two places at once when two players you want to talk to are you know, both available at the same time and having to prioritize and, and navigate that as well. So I think that right now the kind of hybrid that we've got going on with some in person and then some online is so much more efficient than it ever was to begin with.
3: Before we get into more, uh, like, college football stuff, you mentioned how you came from uh, formerly Fox Sports Detroit. You were there during sort of the dog days of Detroit uh, sports where the Pistons weren't very good, Tigers weren't very good, Lions are never good, Uh, Red Wings, same story. (laughs) Now it's kind of we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence. Are you a little bit bitter that you kind of left right as things were picking up?
1: Yeah, well,
5: thanks for reminding me, first of all. (laughs) Um, There definitely were some days, I recall one Tigers game, and I love love all the hometown teams, so just putting that out there. But I recall one Tigers game that was when I was also in school, so I had gone after class, a full-day class downtown for, I don't know what time the game started, around 6 o'clock. And they went into extra innings, and I remember not getting home to Ann Arbor until about 2 o'clock in the morning just to post recap tweet and video that said we lost again like we'll get them <laughs> next time uh so those days definitely got long but i love watching it now now i think that i've been so invested in the tigers this year i think it's been so exciting and also a lot of those guys um that were on the team when i covered it are still there and then a lot of the new faces who are maybe younger players that are right around my age you know in their early to mid 20s are starting to see a lot of action so from building relationships with those guys when I started and kind of watching them come up through Toledo and now to Detroit has been really fun so I'm a little bit bitter but all I'll say is now I'm now I'm in Evanston and now I've got a team that won the Big 10 West last year so yep we're focusing on winning, and and they definitely did, are doing better over here in Evanston than uh, they did in Ann Arbor last year. So in that way, I did upgrade in a sense. Yep,
2: <laughs> I will say this: I've been I've been impressed with the uh, Northwestern upgrades on their facilities, and, and as you mentioned, you know uh, they made it to the Big Ten championship game last year. It's a great recruiting tool, number one, to be in the Chicago area and and have facilities like that right on Lake Michigan. Uh, What are the chances this year of Northwestern having another excellent campaign and maybe making it to the championship game again?
5: That's a great question that I cannot wait to figure out the true answer to. Yeah, this year they returned 34% of their total production, which is the worst Mm. in all college football. So they are super young and really rebuilding. I mean, they had a three-way quarterback, race for the starting job. It came out to be Hunter Johnson who had some starting uh, games in 2019. So I think there's a lot of question marks, but I also think that a lot of the transfers they've brought in and a lot of their returning talent, I mean, you've got All-American Safety, Brandon Joseph, Peter Skronsky could very well end up on a list like that as well. So I think they've got good leadership, and I think that they're going to have to hash some things out early I think Michigan State really is going to be a toss-up in the air. I know Michigan State is the heavy favorite, but I think that as they start to get some kinks out and pick up their momentum, the program has such a strong history, and Coach Fitzgerald is so good at his job and developing young talent that I would not be surprised. I think that they will end up having a winning record overall. I think that they'll be in the race for the Big Ten West again. I... Don't know that I could see them getting after Ohio State, but I do think another bowl game like last year could be in the cards for them.
4: No, I mean I, I think okay. you kind of you said it perfectly about Coach Fitzgerald and just the Northwestern program. We we've kind of talked about it before that it's almost like you always know what you're going to get with Northwestern. Like even when they're kind of down they're always playing hard. They're always going to put up a fight. They're always going to give you a good game. And then maybe they have those years where they do go to the Big Ten championship or something like that. So I'll be curious to see that game on Friday against Michigan State. But let's take your reporter hat off and put your fan hat on for Michigan. What are you, like, what are you hoping to see out of Michigan, and what do you think you're going to see out of Michigan? Is this going to be the last year of Jim Harbaugh, or is he securing his job You know, with a solid season this year?
5: That is a million-dollar question, and to be completely honest, I don't think that his job security, and and I'm not the one that knows all the answers here, but I don't necessarily think his job security is going to come down to just having a winning season. I think that his ties to the program weigh really heavily in that, and obviously the fan voices over the last couple years. I mean, Harbaugh came my first year of college, I think it was – I kind of went through all that and seeing the hype up before he got there and then the quick letdown um, after football season got started. So in terms of Harbaugh's place in the program, I really have no clue because I don't think (laughs) that. I think there's too many factors going into that and way too much behind the scenes for any of us to really know. But in terms of the team, to be completely honest, my fan hat, has really shifted, and I'm not necessarily proud to say that, but over the last couple weeks being so invested in Northwestern, I have lost a little bit of my maize and blue flair. So maybe Uh you guys can tell me Uh (laughs) what you think about that.
3: I'll have to ask you this question before I can decide whether or not that's a good thing or not. I've been to Ann Arbor. I love Ann Arbor. Great college town. Ted mentioned a little bit ago the facilities. It looks incredible in Evanston. So in your opinion, which is a better college town?
5: Ann Arbor, a 1,000%. <laughs> I will say at this stage of my life, I am so grateful to be in Evanston because it is a smaller campus. It is a smaller compute uh, community, excuse me. And the athletic department is so much um, more intimate with the media, per se. There's a lot more room to you know, get interviews and they're much more flexible and they're much more open and excited to have coverage, Michigan was a lot more closed off in terms of media availability. So at this stage of my career, it's kind of like Evanston is the perfect place. It's beautiful. The facilities are outstanding. But above all that, really the people there in their athletic department and the players, coaches, have made it such an incredible place for the players to grow but also to welcome in media and things like that so better college town I would not do my undergrad in Evanston um (laughs) but here you know graduate school bit bit older and a little more calmed down I think it's it's a good spot
2: well said there and you know Ann Arbor or Chicago I mean if you want to go for some fun in a big city Chicago is a great, great spot. Do you have a a favorite hangout when, when you get to the big city?
5: Oh, my gosh. So I actually live right downtown. I've got a couple spots. Bub City, a country bar in, I don't know how familiar you are, it's in River North, but they have live band karaoke every Wednesday night. That's probably the only bar that I frequent in terms of going out. Other than that, I love Cubs games. I love White Sox games. I go to Navy Pier like once a week. I kind of act like a huge tourist here, but it's hard not to.
2: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, if you're ever looking for a good breakfast spot in Lincoln Park area right by Second City, there's a little Greek restaurant that has the best breakfast I think I've ever had. It's called Nookie's. So if if you ever get a chance, check that out. I got one final question for you, Lauren. Uh, You know, in today's day and age in college sports, with players now being able to pocket money with endorsements and whatnot, what what are you seeing there? What, what do you pick up on that some of the football players are, are zooming in on to make some money?
5: I love NIL. I think it is like watching a reality TV show that I wish has gone on for way longer, and I think they should make a reality TV show about NIL, because some of the deals that these guys are making are hilarious, and a lot of them are outstanding, and I'm excited that players have an opportunity to profit from their NIL, and I I hope that they're smart about it. Um, One thing that I've been really impressed by has been, at least at Northwestern, and I know a lot of athletic departments across college football and across college athletics have done a really good job implementing um, more like business basics classes into their team meetings and to educate athletes on how to manage their money and learning about taxes and managing a brand, which I think is really cool. And a lot of athletes aren't in business school, so I think that's giving them really practical tools that they need, but I've loved watching these Northwestern guys, especially Take their deals, and and it's all over social media. I know Ryan Holinski, one of the Northwestern quarterbacks, just is doing a deal right now with Mercedes-Benz, and that makes me wish that I played football at a G1 school right now because I would love a new car. Um, So, yeah, I think we need a reality TV show about it. I think it is way overdue. I'm happy for them. I think they give the entire country – entertainment for so many months that the least we can do is allow them to earn off of that yeah.
3: uh, tv show would be uh great one thing that I have to, that's kind of been boggling my mind the last few minutes is i went to the navy pier when i was a kid and i think i went there maybe twice and each time i was bored after like 15 20 minutes uh what did i miss about that place i can't believe you go there all the time. <laughs>
5: Okay, so I live across the street, basically, from the pier, so that's part of why I take my dog and we walk around the pier all the time. Um, They have fireworks two nights a week, and you can sit by the water and watch the fireworks. They've got a margaritaville where you can get a margarita to go now because COVID has now allowed that to be okay. Um, So I'll take my dog, walk around the pier, and then most nights they have a live band, too. Um, It's not like I go and spend hours there, but like for (laughs) an evening stroll or something along those lines, it's it's great. Yeah, hours though, I don't think you could do that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. that is the spot. That that in the big bean. That's where like everyone talks about you got to go when you're in Chicago and you got to get that picture. But you were talking about the NIL classes and the business classes. I've always said that that should be like general education for everyone when you go whether it's in high school or when you go to college. Everyone should learn that stuff. So I think yeah, it's yet to be seen what actually comes out of this NIL and we'll see how it affects college football. But you guys, I want to get I got one more quick question for you before we get you out of here. You guys are talking about Chicago and what a great city it is, and I think we all agree. When I moved to Connecticut to work at ESPN, everyone out there it was all about New York City and Boston, and rightfully so, two very awesome cities, New York City and Boston. But I would always tell people, be like, "You got to get to Chicago. You love big cities. You got to get to Chicago." And everyone would be like, "Why? You know, I, what? Just like the Bulls and the Cubs, or you know, what else is there?" And it's like, "You got to get to Chicago." So yeah, I, I love that you know, selling Chicago like that. But the question is. Detroit-style pizza or Chicago-style pizza?
5: <laughs> Detroit, a thousand percent. I actually found one of the only restaurants in Chicago pretty close to me that serves Detroit-style pizza, and I think that's the best pizza in Chicago. I'm I'm not on board for any of the deep dish stuff.
4: It's basically a big pie. It's like it's like eight inches thick I, i'm not a big fan of chicago style i bet ted are you well, you like chicago style ted high crust and not
5: right. doughy bread crust it's like a dry pie crust it's disgusting
2: yeah the first time i had chicago style i enjoyed it but i mean you could eat like one piece and it just sat in your gut and i've I, <laughs> i've kind of changed my philosophy i'm more of a old school thin pizza myself I got one more question. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here because I can't imagine you know all the players, but we'll cut it if you don't. Uh, A kid from our area uh, was recruited to play quarterback. I know he's on the depth chart somewhere, Brendan Sullivan. Uh, Do you know anything about him?
1: I do
5: not know a lot about him, and I actually have my notebook somewhere really close to me right now, and he's one of the players that I actually noticed there were a couple practices Um, up in Evanston that were open practices. So I was taking notes on all the quarterbacks back when they were still, you know, having the QB race. Um, And he was somebody I was like, who is that out there? I don't remember what number he's playing, but I do remember writing down his number to to look it up later and say who was that kid because he was taking a lot of snaps. So I don't know a ton about him, but from what I saw in fall camp, it looked like he was seeing a good amount of action.
2: Yeah, Jared grew up with him.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you pretty much took the words of our mouth. Sounds like he's getting a lot of action, like in fall camp and everything, and hopefully all you can hope for, fingers crossed, I know we're all big fans of him that, you know, in a couple years, maybe next year sometime down the road he can maybe see some
2: playing time. Absolutely. Well, listen, Lauren. Uh, we really appreciate the time. Uh, I definitely enjoyed your conversation, your in-depth look. Hopefully, we can uh, check in with you down the road. College football season is here, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And we're looking forward to to your stuff out there. Again, tell our listeners the best way to follow you. Uh,
5: you can just follow me on Twitter. It's at Lolo L O L O Withrow. Twitter and Instagram. That's about that's about it. If you want some Northwestern coverage, it's SI Wildcats Daily for all the, you know, Big Ten, Northwestern football coverage that's coming up.
2: And next time we talk to you, you'll be 100% Northwestern, and Michigan's just going to be long gone, right?
5: You know, I will say right now I am wearing my Michigan alumni t-shirt. <laughs> uh, so I don't think we're going to get rid of that. So all we right. can check back in, but there's going to be a little maize and blue in, in my heart forever, I think.
2: Well, good deal. Well, listen, we appreciate the time, like I said, and uh, we'll, we'll chat with you down the road. Thanks again.
4: Right. Thanks, guys. Hankered Sportswear provides a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing store with many loyal customers, 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Hankered Sportswear always has Karana, Owasso, and St. Paul's School Spirit items in stock. Special items are available for family, sports, business, and charity events. Call 989-725-2979, stop into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at hankered.sportswear.
6: Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce.
2: All right, next up on the pod are Spartan insider Joe Janka. And, Joe, I know you're excited for the Spartans. You know, last year was kind of a wild year with COVID and everything else, and it looks like we're back to normal a little bit. So we want to pick your brain a little bit on what we can expect in East Lansing. Welcome to the podcast once again.
1: <laughs> thanks, guys. I'm, uh, I can't even sleep at night. I'm so
4: excited. I'm not even kidding for just college football to be starting. And thanks for having me. So I, I'm fired up. So you, I, I, so I have to ask: Are you in on the week zero stuff, or do you technically not think college football starts until until week one, until this weekend? I think it's this weekend. Once they get, I think it's the they're doing the Duke's Mayo Classic
1: Bowl, or when that like first big like neutral site game, whatever weekend yep. that is, that's the first week for me. Which this year is Clemson and Georgia, but they usually have like one big game like
4: that. That's the start of the college football season for me that weekend. So not. Not Friday night, Michigan State versus Northwestern? <laughs> no, oh. and not oh, Ohio State-Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, I'll be watching them, but I haven't fun watching them. But, I
1: mean, I think that first Saturday, so this year it's Labor Day, and usually they do it, oh, I think, the last couple of years along Labor Day, but – uh, this Saturday would be my first college football Saturday with the traditional college game day and everything, which I love. So I'm fired up. So, Joe,
3: the way I look at it with Michigan State in Northwestern game one is it's the perfect game to start off with because Northwestern beats the bad teams and they lose to the good ones. So you're going to know exactly what team you have uh, after week one. So what do you think? Is it? Are you feeling confident or are you a little bit apprehensive about Mel Tucker in the second year?
1: Honestly, it's it's probably the most unknown Michigan State team I've ever seen. Just with all of right. the transfers they've had come in, and so and last year being such a whirlwind, and they were so volatile of a team. Um, it, 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 honestly, I have no – I mean, I want to say I'm confident because it seems like they upgraded their talent level, but it's, it's truly – and I know it's cliche, but I think it's truly a wait and see, and I, I have no idea if they're going to look – like they did last year for five of their seven games, or if they're going to come out and look better with a true full off season. And I do agree. Northwestern usually is a great measuring stick because uh, they seem like it doesn't matter what happens, how many guys they lose. Northwestern is the same team every year. And they could be nine and three. They could be three and nine, but they are like the same team every time you play them. And I hate playing them. <laughs>
2: so. Are you uh you know northwestern that's a that's a great road trip Are you going to be able to go to that one and, and watch them live?
1: I'm not I'm not I, I wish I could and not necessarily i I've heard like actually negative things about their field, but uh I'd love to go to Chicago <laughs> and just tailgate and have an excuse but the first game I'll go to in person will definitely be. Uh, the first home game when they play Youngstown the following week. So I'm excited for that, too.
3: So where do you think you, – where do you stand on – like uh, where do you think most Michigan State fans stand uh, on a scale of, like zero being we want Mel, fired, Mel Tucker fired and 10 being we want this guy to be our coach for the next 20 years? Heading into this year, where do you think
1: you are on that scale? I think at this point most people are at a zero, um, honestly. I, I just think that he's kind of revitalized uh, – the I don't want to say like hype, but he's just like – put some added energy into the program that was kind of dead in the water the last three or four years of D'Antonio, where it wasn't, I mean, it could go really bad. I mean, there's a lot of unknown there, and he could be not good because he doesn't have a ton of experience, but I think a lot of people just wanted something different um, because D'Antonio just got very bland at the end, Um, and Tucker is definitely different. I mean, he prioritizes recruiting. He's got a different mentality to practices and how he coaches his teams, and I think it's more like and i think jim harbaugh used to get some stuff for this early on where he was calling it a meritocracy i think tucker is more of that mold where he's truly he doesn't care if you're 18 or if you're 25 if you're on my team i'm going to play the best player and i think that was lost in the end of the dantonio era where he liked to play older guys who are committed and good guys and it's, it's less of i'm just going to play the best or most talented players so long story short i mean i made a zero and even with a two and five record last year I still
4: am kind of excited and interested to see where we go from here. Well, you, we we all know why that two and five record has you excited, because you guys whooped right. up on Michigan in the Big House. I mean, if that if you were two and five and you had got beaten by Michigan, it wouldn't be as exciting, right? <laughs> I would agree. I mean, honestly, it's it's uh, a, a two and five, and the Northwestern
1: win was big. I mean, they ended up yep. going to the. Big Ten title game. I mean, other than beating Ohio State, if you would have said of the seven games we played, what were the two games you wanted to win? It had have been those two. I mean, I'm just being candid, you know, other than Ohio State maybe. But, I mean, they were two good wins, and the rest of the season they looked terrible. So it's just, it's, it's so hard to figure out where they're going to be at. But hopefully with a off season, we'll at least be able to see one way or the other what the Tucker era is going to bring. And honestly, I think
4: it's either going to be really bad or it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be in between. I really don't. Do you think if so? We're Michigan fans. Are, Michigan fans right now are kind of at a pretty big crossroads. I think, or not just Michigan fans. The Michigan program, where we know like what's going on with Jim Harbaugh. We don't need to get into all that. If we need to see some sort of improvement, they're not going to run the table. I don't think anyone expects anything like that, or even expects a Big Ten title this year from Michigan. Where are you kind of at with Michigan State and seeing? I know you're saying. Not very big expectations because, you know, a lot of inexperience and stuff like that. Do you need to see an 8-4 and four to think that Tucker is moving in the right direction? Or would a solid 6-6 six and six with maybe a win over Michigan or, you know, a couple other solid wins be enough to keep you like, okay, Tucker is getting this thing going? Yeah, I think, um, and Jared's going to make fun of me because this will be
1: a lame take, but um, I, I honestly just want them to get to a bowl game this year and be competitive with everyone. Um, but it's, it's kind of – it got so void of talent, and there was such a lack of fire in the program near the end of the Antonio era. Even though he had all the success he had, and he's going to go down as the best Michigan State coach ever, like I still am giving, I'm going to be patient with Tucker, even though he publicly says he's not being patient. He expects to win games this year, but I think a six and six, seven and five year, go to a bowl game and win a bowl game. I think that's a great turnaround in the comparison of the roster he was handed late last February when Antonio got out of there. And a Michigan win would be big, but I, I don't care who they beat. Six and six, seven and five. I'd be happy with that. I really would.
3: I mean, I, th- I agree with what you're saying. I think so. that's exactly where you should put the measuring stick. But if I'm being honest, I-, I don't know how you guys get there. I mean, you said it right off the top. No one knows anything about this team. Who, who are the go-to players? Who's going to be the star player? I-, I-, I don't know. Hopefully you know better than I do because
1: it's a bunch of no-names on this roster. Right. Well, just from what I've seen from the spring and the fall, I do think Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, they're two wide receivers. They'll be number one and um, number eight. Um, I think they'll be solid. And then I think the transfer, Kenneth Walker the third from Wake Forest, they were very destitute at the running back position last year. I think he's going to be a big upgrade for them. And they essentially pulled back their entire offensive line and added a Uh, What sounds like a solid tackle from Arkansas State, Jared Horse, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's hard to tell, but I would say those three guys, the Walker and the two wide receivers at the top of their depth chart will be like the guys scoring 90% of their touchdowns. Um, But you're right, Jared. I mean, it's hard to see. And I don't think I'm going to really know where they're going to be at until probably the Michigan game. I mean, about halfway through the year, we're really going to know what this team is. Because, I mean, honestly, last year, they kind of just threw it together, winging it. I mean, in a lot of ways. And they just, you know, uh, this year they actually got that full off season to instill both sides of the ball, their defense and offensive team. So I think this is going to see – we're going to see a lot more this year than we did last year, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, well, I, I look at it as last year just is a, an anomaly, you know. Just throw that out. Yeah, we'll give you the credit that State beat Michigan, but last year was just – just crap, you know. We'll see what the what college football is like really this year. But I got one final question for you, Joe. Uh, I don't know if it's been announced yet, but who's going to be the quarterback? Who's going to win the job? Russo, Thorne, who, who's going to QB him?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. And I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I'm in all of the, like, 24-7, like, chat rooms trying to see something will leak. And they literally are, like, keeping this uh, tight to the chest. I mean, there is no leaking. And it seems like it was a pretty <laughs> even camp. If I had to guess. I'm going to say Thorne because mm-hmm. if it, from what they're saying, is it's basically an even battle. And my thought on it is, is if it's an, if it's literally not one guy's better than the other, you pick the younger guy because you get three years of them rather than one. So if Russo does win it, the Temple transfer, uh, it means he's, he outplayed him. He, he earned it. But if Thorne plays that, either is their 50 50 or Thorne outplayed Russo, obviously. But I mean, it's gun to my head. I'd say Thorn right now because I think if it was going to be Russo, they had already announced it. But who knows? It doesn't sound like they're going to announce it or until Friday morning, uh, because even on the radio show today, Mel Tucker said I'm not answering questions about it. So he's trying to keep that competitive advantage, I guess. So, but either way, I just you know I hope they don't turn the ball over. They had a lot of issues with turnovers last year. Um, whoever they choose, take care of the ball. Um, I, you know, and, and make the right plays. Don't need to, you know, they're not going to win a national title this year. Just don't beat yourself. And I, I my guess is it's and Thorn at this point, but I could be wrong.
3: One last question for you, Joe, before we let you go. How does it feel knowing that us Michigan fans and Michigan football team are we're in the ultimate win-win situation where, if we end up having a good team this year, we're going to be very pleasantly surprised, and if we have a bad team, we're saying sign to Jim Harbaugh and we're bringing in the next hot coaching hire. Uh, how does it feel to know that even if you somehow, some way beat us this year, we're not even going to be upset?
1: I, uh, <laughs> Jared, I, I think the, the former of that would make a lot more Michigan fans happy. I think it would be, be really hard for a lot of Michigan fans with uh, the, how hyped up Harbaugh is and the way a lot of Michigan fans think of Jim Harbaugh. If that doesn't work out, I don't think anybody's going to be elated. And, uh, I mean, who are you going to get? Dabo Sweeney? I mean, there's not a lot of big names out there that are available. But Michigan's got the money. Who knows? But I I, I think that would be a – that's not a very um, good assumption of your fan base. If you think everybody's gonna be happy, uh, <laughs> if it's not a good year this year. <laughs> so,
2: all right, hey Joe, it's always it's always fun to to talk Spartan football and back and forth with you. We appreciate the time. You know, maybe somewhere around mid season, we'll get you back on and and get your uh, report card at that point. Does that sound like a deal?
1: Sounds great, guys. Thank you, and uh, go Green. And I'm excited to watch some college football this weekend.
2: So are we. All right, Joe. Thanks a lot, buddy. By the way, I'll be live on Z ninety two five Thursday, September second, as Bishop Sycamore takes on the Corona Cavaliers. Well, actually, the Ovid LC Marauders at Duran to take on the Railroaders. Now, we didn't talk about it, guys, but what a bizarre story there, huh?
4: It's just I I, I was wondering if we would if we would somehow get into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just insane. Like, it, there's so many different layers to it, and I know a lot of people are saying like, how did ESPN let this get on the air? But like the big thing is, how they've been playing for a few years, and they've played IMG Academy for a couple seasons. How did none of these schools catch on to this? Not let alone ESPN putting them on TV. How has no one caught on to this? Pretty crazy.
3: I, I think it all boils down to just where we are as like a culture, and I see it every day on social media. It used to piss me off when I was in high school, and I would see kids that I know were not getting these "quote unquote" offers, posting about these offers, and. And you always read between the lines. I don't know if it's to pick up girls or to do what, but kids are always doing it. And I'm just sick of the what happened to the eye test. Why is everything off of, you know, rivals or 24-7? I just, I think we've gone a little bit too far off the spectrum that way. And I think that this will be the type of thing that hopefully will sort of shake us back to reality.
2: Yeah, I mean, but it, it was just an absolute totally bizarre story you know and it just caught me off guard uh and this was actually aired the game was actually aired wasn't it
4: yeah the game was aired on espn and that's what one of the like the big things or the big like what made it shady is how how did this get through you know to to be able to be aired on espn and even through the broadcast i don't know if you guys saw some of the clips on, on twitter or anything the the commentators calling the game like a quarter or two in could tell like something was up. (laughs) they, They even started saying like in doing research, couldn't find rosters. The school didn't provide rosters. You couldn't find any information on the school. And then when the game started playing, IMG was just whooping up on them. I mean, it was like 38 to nothing in the second quarter. I mean, IMG is full of five stars, so, you know, you get it. But it was like, there is something going on here. Something's not right. And then, you know, obviously afterwards, everything came out that this was a fake school in Ohio. They weren't even recognized by the ohio you know basically the mhsaa in ohio so you know it it all came out but like one of the things is i'm sure you guys saw in the article apparently i I didn't know this apparently espn goes through like a marketing agency to book some of these high school matchups that they put on tv so it wasn't even necessarily that espn like booked this school the the marketing agency that espn hired to book these high school matchups you know, booked this Bishop Sycamore, and you know, put it. You know, told ESPN, yeah, this is your matchup for this Sunday night game or whatever. So, I'm sure ESPN gave them a call and said, like, hey, what the hell did you do here?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, who well, who got the black eye? It was ESPN. And even if they may not have been at fault, you know, there's no question about it. And just, just a bizarro story for sure. Hey guys, before we do officially sign off, too, you know, uh, I got to bring it down for just a second. Uh, just a message on ALS. You know, we we end the program usually with. You know, probably my top charity that I like to get involved in. My best friend Chris McMillan passed away from ALS, and I was at the concert the other night. Another real close friend that I have lost contact with for probably the last fifteen years. He, uh, I went to go grab a beer, and I saw him getting up out of his lawn chair, and I recognized him, but I could tell that there was an issue going on. ALS again. I mean, it's just it's just astounding. You know, it seems like it's really prevalent here in the state of Michigan for whatever whatever reason. I don't know if there's something in the, the drinking water, you know, pesticides, but there's something going on. And, you know, we all know people that died of cancer, and there's all sorts of great charities out there. I don't want to shortchange any of them, but the one I've really latched on to, and I appreciate you guys letting me do it as part of this podcast, is ALS, and I think – The more money that can go into research for that, just to end that terrible disease, because you know what you're looking at when you get diagnosed with it. You're lucky if you have a couple years, and it's not a real pleasant way to go. So hopefully, somewhere down the line, all these great scientists that came up with a COVID vaccine in a record amount of time, we can get the message out there, and we can get the research done to end this terrible disease. It's been around, at least publicly, since Lou Gehrig got it in the mid-30s. So that's where I'll leave that. Just uh, everybody out there, if you have any extra charitable dollars, consider the ALS Association. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Thanks to Joe Janka and ESPN's Lauren Withrow. She's at Lolo Withrow if you want to give her a follow. Also, make sure you follow us as well at Three Point Pod. Also, let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Corona Connection, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Hankard Sportswear, the Owasso Speedway, Rivals Taphouse and Grill. Nelson House Funeral Homes, Shared and Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. All right, we're going to call it a podcast. For Jared Fattell and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattell saying until next time, so long, everyone, and enjoy the 2021 college football season.